We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Newcastle have just finished bottom of their Champions League group by losing 2-1 at home to AC Milan in uh, an incredible night of football, really, at St. James's Park. Highs, lows, everything in between. I'm Alex, and you'll have Sai, Charlotte, and Stephen Ord here to talk to you about what happened and why. And we have reached the end of our Champions League journey. It has been incredibly difficult in terms of the teams we've played. I actually think the teams we've played, all three of them, have been unbelievable. An unbelievable standard of football, technical standard, tactical standard, uh, and Newcastle have just come up short right in the last half hour of a six-game Champions League group. So I'll start with you, mate. Um, just your initial thoughts on what you've just seen and how you're feeling because of it. Yeah, absolutely heartbroken. I didn't think I'd be this gutted um, to go out the Champions League, certainly not at the start of this this journey. You just thought, you know, anything we get, any any results, any memories we get out of it, that'll be great. And we've had some great memories. We've had trips to Dortmund, Milan and, and Paris. We've had a great win over PSG. We had a robbery of a, of a non-win in, in Paris. Um, we put in some decent performance against Dortmund, didn't quite get there, a great draw in Milan. You know, there's been some excellent moments on this Champions League journey, despite finishing bottom on only five points. It doesn't feel fair. It actually doesn't feel like that does us justice for what we've done in this group. But ultimately, ultimately, it feels like we've thrown it away tonight because with 60 minutes to go, it was there for the taking. The other result tonight went our way and I'm still a bit shell-shocked, frustrated, maybe a little bit angry and I'm probably going to be be a bit too um, critical of some players tonight because it's still quite raw. But yeah, I'm, I'm just absolutely good. After all of that, absolutely good. I think the thing that is frustrating me so much is that these games bookended this campaign. Milan at the beginning, Milan at the end at home. And turned to Alex um, mid-game and said, you know, in Milan, we looked at the board after half an hour, whatever it was, and it was like 15 shots on target and we'd had maybe one or two. And about half an hour in, 25 minutes in, we'd had like a significant number of shots on target. Forgive me for not knowing the exact number. At this stage, we have just come from the ground and they'd had one, I think one at that stage. I think they had two all, all game. Um, or maybe maybe three, but it was, it, it, I was I was so kind of excited throughout the game because I really did feel that we were going to win or get something from it at the very least. Um and and I really like that story. I really like that story from the first game of like our first game back in the Champions League. Our first, like we, we've managed to hold them to a draw. It's been really difficult. They've had a, they've hammered us, and they've and you know Nick Pope's made all these saves. To the end of this campaign, we've grown in this competition. We've played these really high caliber people and um, and teams, and we. Um, and we've we've grown so much that we flipped it. We're the ones with all the shots on targets. We're the ones pressing the teams. We're not frightened. We're at home. This is this is where we belong. And to be kind of pipped to it, but to not even come out of the group in third place when Paris haven't won a game, when eight minutes of nonsense at a time was added in in you know, and we'll talk about it, but I am I'm deeply frustrated and I'm def- frustrated on behalf of these players who I do believe have put their all into this in the face of like all of these mad injuries, all of these mad things that have happened, the, the lack of options that we've had. And I, I wanted this for them. I wanted this for Eddie Howe. I wanted this for us. And turns out I don't get what I want all the time. <laughs> Good. Stephen? Uh, can we rewind to February? I feel a bit like that all over again. Um, 
Yeah, coming away from Wembley was really, really difficult because you wanted those group of players to really just to be the people mm-hmm. who gave you that first trophy since 1969. That's what we wanted. They'd worked so hard. They'd done so well. Um, I agree with Charlotte. Uh, watching Milan with my lad on the sofa, um, I couldn't believe how one-sided that was. And I was like, oh, I can have a nightmare here. Two weeks later, well, it was a week later, two weeks later, I think we'd be Paris Saint-Germain 4-1 at home. And mm-hmm. I was like, we're going through here. <laughs> we're, we're class. Um, I think the hardest bit, so he's already referenced it, we're 30 minutes away from being in the last 16 in the Champions League. We've been there once before. It would have been great to be there again. Having said that, we're two years out of schedule. Um, a year, in February, when we got to the Carabao Cup final, that felt like a bonus. Um, Champions League, wow. Like, we're back. Um, we're prob- we're going to struggle at the moment based on how the coefficients and stuff are going to work out, and I'm sure we'll get onto that, to make it back to the Champions League for next season. But... I'm really, really proud of the fact that we were in the Champions League this season. And if anyone watched Manchester United on Tuesday and watched us on Wednesday, nobody can say we didn't give a damn good account of ourselves and give ourselves the best possible chance to get into the Champions League uh, last 16. Um, I've shouted a lot, so sorry. Um, (laughs) We're usually husky on these ones. Yeah, but one of the things I am going to say is, um, Charlotte mentioned it about, we couldn't ask any more of those players, these guys had come off the back of being pilloried really by the national press for their performance at White Hart Lane, for the performance at Goodison Park. We're 30 minutes away from beating AC Milan. And Alex, you, you've said all three teams are good. Um, it's called the group of death for a reason. Like Borussia Dortmund are a very good football team. Uh, they'll be gutted that like, although they've won the group, actually when you look at it, like they, they save their best performances to beat us twice. We, we haven't got beaten by Paris Saint-Germain who've spent £600 million on three footballers mm. in the past 10 years. We didn't get beat by them. Beat them 4-1 at home and bar, I can't remember who it was, sorry, referred to the dubious penalty. Um, <laughs> we didn't, we didn't, we wouldn't have got a draw. We would have beaten them twice. Um, having said that, it definitely feels like there's an element of our team that was very naive at 1-0 and 1-1 and um, people who haven't seen the game or who have watched it, uh, they might agree, disagree. In the ground, it certainly felt to me with 25 minutes ago when it was 1-1, we were very, very naive and we've probably cost ourselves a place in the Europa League. Whether that's for our benefit or not, I'll leave to other people. But yeah, it's it's really hard to take at the moment right now. But in three years' time, when we're back in the Champions League, we'll hopefully take getting the last three 16 years. for granted. Well, what? I don't, I don't within, think, I, within three Within years. three years. I don't okay. think we'll be back there next year. That's my personal opinion. Like Based on what's happened in the league so far, Based on the way the coefficient's going to work, Italy have now got an advantage. Milan went through, we didn't. So that's a real disadvantage. And uh, the way that works out, both Man United and us going out, which Man United going out last night was funny, us going out tonight is less funny. (laughs) Um, The way that works for the coefficient is really bad. And it might mean that Italy nick that fifth place. However, go on Man City, go win the Champions League, because it would be great if we finished fifth and got back in. But yeah, that's our feel at the minute. My head well and truly fell off when they put four minutes injury time up tonight. Like, oh, fuck man. that. <laughs> fuck that compared to, to Paris. Mm. And, and just to remind, you know, just to remind everyone and myself, you know, there was well, how many subs? Lots of subs tonight before yeah. the 90th minute. There was two goals. There was two times the uh, physios came on to, to look after players. Uh, and there was also a bit of time wasting from, from Milan when they went 2-1 up. Four minutes, Just it just felt like the... The, the injury times have been swapped between Paris and St. James's. And it, I didn't walk walk away from that ground thinking about Paris, but now, as much as I can look at our performance and what we did, I do just feel, even though I think objectively Paris deserves something from that fixture based on the balance of play and chances, we were robbed that night, robbed, mm-hmm. and we would we would have gone through. We would we would have we would have probably easy for me to say. But ultimately, I just want to say that, like you said, Stephen, group of death. I thought Milan handled tonight so well. I thought Newcastle were excellent in the first half. But 1-0 or 0-1 for Milan is probably okay. They're probably all right at halftime thinking we're still in the game. We've, we've, we've experienced the atmosphere. We've experienced the press. Yeah, we've been run out of play a couple of times. But apart from a, a Miggy chance, which you really should have scored, and the actual goal, which was brilliant... There wasn't loads for Milan to worry about. And compare 
us at 1-1 to Milan at 0-1 when both teams needed to win the game to achieve what they came to achieve. I don't even want to be critical of us because we're just not there yet. Like, how, how are you supposed... The, one of the big, one of the most impressive things of that, of that Newcastle are 30 minutes away from a place amongst the 15 other top sides in Europe and they've, they've, never, they've never played this football before. The vast majority of the squad have never been at this level and to push the group as far as they have and to be so close, I think they should be really proud of what they've achieved and, you know, we've gone away from home, put in three performances and put in a performance at each ground Taken into context, the injuries, the fatigue, the injustice of Paris, the difficulty of the group, Newcastle have done really well overall to, to, to really make that group as difficult as possible for everyone but Borussia Dortmund. And the Gallagher end crossbar is probably the difference between Newcastle mm. going through and not. And there's, there's aspects of, of luck in the draws um, in... Milan in in PSG in terms of the balance of play, but there's also massive aspects of luck in the fact that Milan leave here tonight with three points, as impressive as they were in the second half, and also that Dortmund left here with three points, impressive as they were at St James's Park. So when you play the best sides in Europe, you're probably going to need your best players to do it. Newcastle were without a lot of those players. God, how Newcastle could have done with Sven Botman in this Champions League group, not just playing one game. They could have done with Harvey Barnes. They could have done with a lot more Jacob Murphy. They could have done with a lot of players. They could have done with, with, with fit, a fit Alexander Isak or a fit Callum Wilson at times. They didn't have or, any of those. Champions League semi-final um, appearance maker who <laughs> should have been playing for yeah. the season. Yeah, so considering that they've rolled with those punches, I don't think we could be anything else but, but quite proud of, of, of how far they've come. It's like you said, Stephen, they're ahead of schedule and really when that draw came out and Newcastle had a full complement of players and Sandro Tonali even then it was widely expected Newcastle would finish bottom and Newcastle wouldn't get close to qualification well they came pretty close tonight and it just wasn't a B-side I was just going to say before we get into the game in the next part of the show you probably should have said all this at the end because it's a really nice way to kind of <laughs> yeah. sum up the Champions League journey because I've still got <laughs> I've, I've got very stuff to get off my chest about this game yeah, very positive Alex um, but yes you, you, you've said it very well yeah, yeah. The, there yeah. are there are plenty of things to criticise yeah. and in the game which we will get into but there is plenty of positivity as well there are things that we can you know take from this we're just going to win both cups it's fine you haven't heard me talk about Milan yet, so <laughs> fucking wait. What a performance second half. Okay, we'll leave it there for part one of the show. Some adverts coming up. We're on Patreon. Wow, we're going to build up the Fulham. We're going to build up the Chelsea next week and the rest. So come and join us And that. would love to have you along if you like this podcast. Uh, patronage keeps us going, uh, keeps it alive. So link in the description and you also get these podcasts advertisement free if you join us. So speak to you after these. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So Newcastle United had an opportunity tonight with a draw to play Europa League football in 2024 and they've ended up losing the game late on. And I suppose, Stephen, the question some people are asking, and I've just seen Keith Downey, friend of the show, ask this on Twitter, is were Newcastle naive really going for it at 1-1 to the extent that their centre-back in the 86 minute or whatever gets caught trying to play a 1-2 in the 18-yard box of the opposition and kind of 20 seconds later, it's it's 4-3 and the ball's in the back of the net. Should how Newcastle, the players, whatever, have... Have, have protected that Europa League position or was tonight all about last six in the Champions League? 
Well, I'm probably going to get pelters for saying this, but I think, yeah, we were really naive. We were really, really naive. Um, staying in Europe was probably going to be a step like too far for the squad that we've got if we had a game next week. But February's a completely different proposition. Um, I'm not entirely sure how we ended up in a situation where we had three defenders and they had four attackers on the edge of our box. It felt a bit like, and I'm probably going to go in hard on our midfield here, when actually I thought they were really, really good tonight, the midfield. But um, runners were going past them. And once it got past them, our midfield wasn't able to catch them, regardless of who it was. And once they've got in, in that situation for that second goal, that comes about because we're desperate to try and get a second to win the game. And I suppose Eddie Howe's probably thinking, well, better to go win and like leave your chances with the gods of do PSG get a second against Dortmund or do they not? Mm-hmm. And that's that's perfectly acceptable. I can understand Eddie Howe's thinking about that. His substitution definitely say that he wasn't thinking one one was okay because he could have sat in and said, right, okay, well, well we're going to take this. He didn't. But at the same time, the players on the pitch clearly were massively gung-ho because Fabian Scher can do some absolutely brilliant things, but he was almost playing as like the left-sided attacker from the ball that comes into the box and then tries to play the one-two about a minute later on the edge of the box. And you're thinking, hold on, like let's let's just make sure we don't get beaten here. Um, and as it turns out, we did get beaten up. I also think it's it's really hard to lump it on specific players because, well, not specific players, but defensively, because we've had a really, really hard, what is it, 10, well, not six days. Everton. Six. Spurs, God, such a short time, us, isn't it? Like this tonight, like the six days. Yeah, you're right. It's a really short period of time. feels like a lot longer. Yeah. But it's really, really hard for me to say to any of the players that they haven't done anything they should have done because they're all absolutely on the feet. And Alan Shearer did something on the, the Rest is Football podcast where he said, it shouldn't matter how many games you've played. Well, all right, Alan, but it does matter how many <laughs> games you've played. It does matter how many games you've played because Alexander Isak didn't play today because he's absolutely spent. He is, there was nothing left for him to give. You could even see when he came on, actually, there were a couple of times when he should have gone round his man and he's thinking, no, just give it. Because if I waste this pace to pace that I've got here, if there's a chance it comes to me, I'm not going to be able to get in. The flip side of that is, whether it's naive or not, Alex, personally, I think it is, but other people say differently. Our midfield went far too far forward in that scenario. And when the ball broke to Milan, they did not have one ounce of energy to get back and put a tackle in or kick someone or give away a foul because that's what you need to do. And in Europe, uh, Miggy turned their left back at one point on the touchline at 1-1 yeah. and he kicked them. And he, he knew what he had to do you're going to spin me here and you're going to be in. Yeah. I'm just going to kick you. And we didn't do that. And that's game management we should have done. Yeah. I think eight of their players by the end of taking a yellow card, like they just knew what they were doing. That's... Can I just say, you're right. I just want to slag off the referee because it wouldn't yeah. be a podcast without... Um, in the first half, <laughs> in the first half, the referee, I think, is incredibly lenient. He doesn't yeah. want to book players. Yeah. He doesn't want the game yeah. to de- descend into some sort of battle. But it allowed the Milan players in the second half to basically... Yeah, they pick up a free what should have been yeah. a second booking because he doesn't do it in the first yeah. half when they're wrong side and they're pulling players back and they're not even trying to play the ball a couple of times. And just it looks like good refereeing at the time. Or you know, keep it, keep everyone on the pitch, no yellow cards, don't make it scrappy. But ultimately, you give players the opportunity to when your castle break and need to get players forward, it's a free kick and we're free kicks were shit all night. And the one player he does book is the goalkeeper. Yeah. And then when the goalkeeper wastes time second off, yeah. there's not Nothing. even a hint Nothing. of him getting yeah. that second Sorry, yellow. Sorry, Sai. No, you're absolutely right. I'm not defending the referee at all. And But every mm. one of those players that didn't have a yellow card then chose when to, to take that yellow card, whereas we were very naive. There was loads of times we should have been making fouls in the second goal. Summed it up. Bruno and Isaac both have the chance to just take that lad out. Isaac first and then Bruno. I don't know if Bruno pulls out because he thinks Isaac's going to do it but they both just look at each other and then the lad runs away with them it's like one of you just take a fucking yellow card mm. it's the last group game it literally doesn't matter just take a yellow card take a red at that point in the game when there's only yeah. like five minutes to go just take the fucking lad out like the, that was the, almost unforgivable like I say we don't want to dig out the lads because everything said in part one of the show in the wrong way around but um, they, that I was so angry at that point because it just that, that was throwing away the game that was naive that was one team 
understanding how to play the fixture, how to play the tie, how to play the occasion in the last 10 minutes against one team that seemed to just not. But these players do know how to do that. It's just frustrating that they, they whatever happened, we, just, we had brain farts all over the pitch. You're right about the kind of midfield being too far up. I think Longstaff came on. I don't think he did anything good or bad. I just think his instructions weren't clear. I don't know what he was there to do. And then suddenly none of the midfield team know what they were doing. There wasn't any cohesion anymore because they were all three just bombing on. And it felt it did feel gung-ho. It really felt like either they knew that PSG weren't winning, so they were like, lads, this is our chance. We've got to win this game. We've got to go and score at 1-1. Or they, they, I, I just, I, I don't know. I don't really I don't understand. Think they t- I don't think they t- knew that. I don't think it was that. I think I'd be very surprised if one of the subs can, on the bench... Can I make, can I make a, an observation about, I assume this is a Champions League rule, but we were getting score updates on the big screen and the ground from every game but Apart this one. From that one. Mm. So like Antwerp v Barcelona, they're keeping <laughs> us up to date. Who gives a fuck? It doesn't Celtic, matter. Feyenoord. Yeah, Celtic Feyenoord. <laughs> but the one score that you want to see, and maybe they do it to not affect the players yeah. Yeah. on the game, be. but it was really, it was really frustrating uh, not being able to see that on the big screen, but every other score. I think, I think it. I think it was a choice. Like I think it was a choice. I think it was a choice to try and be gung ho, but I think our players panicked. Like they looked panicked after, even after they equalised, even after there was still a lot to play for, um, even after you know you think almost think like maybe we should just shut up shop here and um, try and protect this. I, I thought it looked like panic. And, you know, you were talking about how Milan were the opposite, right? Milan were, like, cool and collected. And that's the difference. For me, that's the difference. That's the gulf between a team that is used to playing at this kind of level, with this kind of pressure, with the, in this kind of competition, and a team that is not used to it. We, I thought we lost our heads. We were making really random passes. We were losing the ball. We were, um, we, you know... We, I don't know. It was just it. It was a mess. It was gambling. We were gambling. We were take, taking very risky passes that mm-hmm. some players like Lascelles, for example, aren't probably capable of. But it, there was. A, but I, if, I feel like the players did feel pressure to try and win the game. And things like the Bruno chance, where the keeper makes an outrageous save, it just felt like oh, that was it. Like, and then we're going to have to try even harder now to get the next goal. It did. The game just got more and more stretched. I think Eddie Howe said in his press conference, it got a bit end to end. It got a yeah. bit basketball, you know, and it, it did, and it felt like one of these teams is going to win this game of football. And we had one player who is expert at game management and he wasn't on the pitch for the last 20, 25 minutes. Um, and Kieran Trippier, uh, he, he did look like he was injured in the first half. I actually thought, I thought he was going to go off at half time. Like he did look injured. Um, and there probably is a reason why Eddie Howe's made the substitution he's made. We don't know it, but Howe's made that substitution. But he is someone who's very, very good at game management. And him not being on the pitch, I think, makes a massive difference to those last 20 minutes, especially when we know he's not playing Saturday. I think that I think that makes a massive difference to us. I think that's a good point. And also the fact that Pope's not there either. He's a very like calming presence. He can command that kind of back line. Dubravka used to be able to do that, but he he like in the face of this kind of in the last few games, he just he hasn't looked like he could do that. Yeah, he hasn't made a save. He's not made a save, has he? Yeah, no. <laughs> and maybe that's harsh. I mean, Here's the th- here's the I thing. I think he made to- he made one against Spurs at the weekend. I think he made one. <laughs> Pretty good save. Shaw does love Dubravka. We could <laughs> not anymore, man. We could, and this is you know people who do football cup podcasts or talk about football after the event. It's so easy with hindsight. Not one Newcastle fan, and I could be wrong. Not one Newcastle fan is Newcastle stream forward, get men ahead of the ball, put men in the box, is standing up screaming, "Lads, get back, protect the points!" <laughs> and then after you know when Newcastle concede. Not only did they concede the second, they also con- they should have conceded two more, two bad misses from Milan hitting the post each time. Um, it could have ended up three or four one. And the the word naivety is used a lot. I, I think there's a naivety about Newcastle, perhaps at one 0 in the second half. I thought Newcastle were fine at the start of the second half, but it does just remind me of the Liverpool game a little bit. Different context because it's not against ten men, but we didn't really know. You know, first half against Liverpool, Newcastle are brilliant. They should be they should be ahead by more. First half of Downey Castle, I thought were brilliant and should be ahead by more. They come out second half and then there's a there's kind of a stick or twist situation building. And then that's okay as long as it stays at 1-0. But as soon as that goal goes in at 1-1, maybe we push the button too early. Maybe it should have been a last manic five or ten minutes plus in or in, got to injury time. 
But I don't blame them for trying to win the game because fuck it, you know what? It's the Champions League. You, you, you've just said, Stephen, you don't think we'll be there for three seasons. If you're a footballer, you want to play in the Champions League second round knockout stages, you aren't thinking protect, protect the Europa League. I doubt, I doubt there's the clarity of thought in those situations yeah. anyway, in an in-game situation. But I just think the word naivety could be used and it would be a fair word, but there are also mitigating factors for that because we just don't have the experience at this level compared to the opponents. But yeah, I wasn't in the ground thinking, what are they doing? Mm-hmm. Get, get back, we might concede. Like, who, give, who, it's who cares? Very much a, it's very much a like post-game thought yeah. isn't it it's not the thought you have in the game you're not thinking like oh let's bring on another defender and and yeah. take off <laughs> Wilson like you're thinking like let's fucking go for this and show everybody what we can do and I do believe we could have done it we just didn't we just didn't we just didn't I want to talk though let's pivot to Joe Linton it was a big big night for Joe Linton he, big performance big goal great goal um I don't know Sai what did you make of, of Joe Linton tonight Oh, by far our best player on the night, definitely. Um, even before the goal, he was, he was quite dominant. He was very much uh, running them dream. I thought in the second half, before their f- goal, their first goal, Joe Linton and Isaac for a period were starting to link up and things were looking nice on that left-hand side and he was involved and he probably ran out of steam just like everyone else did because I think once again we saw Newcastle kind of just fade out of the game because I thought we came out after halftime quite, quite positive. I thought we looked really good and then suddenly... I, I think 55 minutes I turned to Ben and said we've suddenly lost control of this game what's just happened mm-hmm. and it, just, it seemed to click like that um, but up to that point Joe Linton was on course to be like the hero man of the match everything and I thought he was brilliant his goal was really well taken and to be honest, I did, he didn't really do anything wrong after that it just felt like it, everything just fell off the cliff in, in terms of the entire team um, I can't really dig anyone out apart from what I said before about the lads not taking the fucking yellow cards. Mm. I don't think anyone played badly, but Joe Linton certainly head and shoulders above everyone else throughout that game. I can take people out, but I'll probably not do it when I'm talking <laughs> about Joe Linton. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe Linton's ball to armor on which he should score from yeah. is absolutely brilliant. Like the pass into him is great, but the ability to be able to pull that ball back in is, is absolutely brilliant. And he plays it perfectly on a plate for any other player to score. Um, his goal is a, is a brilliant strike, mm-hmm. straight across, mm-hmm. into that far corner, great. But even if he hadn't scored, even if someone else had scored, his performance with the ball and without the ball tonight was absolutely brilliant. He wasn't prepared to let anyone go past him. And when he got the ball, he was carrying it. And if someone was trying to pull him back, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep going, I'm going to keep going. Mm-hmm. He made runs in the channels. The one you reference in Sai with Isak, where he... I'm going to go this way. No, I'm going to go that way. And the two of them changed position and he, he, they played the ball brilliantly between each other. They were starting to make the sort of runs that that's what you want to see Joe Linton do because you know he can do mm-hmm. it. Um, the, there's been a lot of things said about the fact that we spent £40 million on a guy who was supposed to be, well, Steve Bruce said he was a number nine, but definitely didn't turn out like a number nine. If Joe Linton wanted to hang his hat on a calling card to say, like, what is my best performance? I think he probably put a video out of the first 70 minutes of tonight and go, mm. well, tell you what, if you want to spend £40 million on me, that's that's what I can do for you. Like, he, he was absolutely... Livermento uh, away in Paris was exceptional. I'd give Joe Linton as good a rating as that for the performance he put in tonight. I thought he was brilliant. I so, was brilliant. I so wanted tonight to be his story. Like that winning goal or the the goal that equalised and got us European football, continued European football, because it is, it's like, it's part of this Joe Linton story, which will, which will peter out soon enough, like, if not, it's starting to, because he was shite and now he's good. And that's the sort of, that's the arc of the story. But it's, when we, when we were talking about it at half time and, and how beautiful that strike is and how Joe Linton of two years ago doesn't even like it goes well into the leases or or it or it just like just like half-heartedly dribbles towards the keeper it's such a confident um moment in such a confident display tonight so it you know when i look at that kind of performance and that player and that arc and all of that context and it just makes me feel freshly gutted about the result because that's the sort of player I just I want this for him and like if it is going to be three years until the next time we're in the Champions League or within three years is he still going to be here is he still going to be at that caliber is he going to be like on the bench for most of that like that those are the questions and and I, I just feel sad I just feel sad that we haven't been able to get that for for those players 
We're going to leave it there for part two. A couple more adverts coming up and back after these. One of the criticisms in this post-match discourse that takes place online and offline after every game is that Eddie Howe's subs didn't particularly affect the game in a positive manner tonight. The one that I thought was strange was, was taking Miley off because I thought he was he was quiet in the first half and he has a, a really kind of crucial role in Joe Linton's goal and really nice kind of classic Miley now in the box, sharp thinking, correct pass, um, kind of vision that, that is so rare in someone so young and inexperienced. But actually thought second half, he started doing the long staff role and really driving down that right side, getting space, getting balls, decent balls in the box as well. I'm really loath. This is the thing. If you look at the resources Eddie Howe has available to him in this Champions League group compared to his opponents, mm. there's just not loads he can do. Now, lose. I assume Anthony Gordon's come off. I'm almost positive Anthony Gordon's come off with an issue. You mm. don't take Anthony Gordon off unless he's so far into the red zone that another step is, is going to cause an injury or he has some sort of issue because, again, he was, he was just Anthony Gordon. Very, very good very difficult to 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 deal with if you're Milan in that first half so he has to bring off Gordon he has to take off Trippier if it's Harvey Barnes coming on for Gordon I think it's a different game if Elliot Anderson is in the midfield and he doesn't have to bring on a half-fit Sean Longstaff uh, if it's Sandro Tonali in the midfield coming on or playing and it's uh you know there, there are other options I just feel like I don't want to get into how for the subs I understand the point that Newcastle didn't get better with their subs. They got a lot worse, but they got a lot worse generally. So I don't think it was just the substitutions. But I just feel like, you know, the, ga- the the phrase "a game too far" has been used a little bit by people within the club about a couple of defeats recently. I don't think it was a game too far, but I, I think if you look, let's let's take a, a look at the fact that Martin Dubravka, Jamal Lascelles, I think it's harsh on Fabian Chet to lump him in there, but in terms of when he was at the club and the transfer fee. Um, Sean Longstaff, 17-year-old Lewis Miley, um, Callum Wilson even. Dan Byrne. Dan Byrne when he comes on. These players would not be playing Champions League football mm. for, for any other club. And whilst it, it's, I don't want to just create a, an excuse-laden environment where it's like, oh, well, we're not good enough, so we can't compete. Newcastle came really fucking close to going through this group with that group of players who, have, who are competing at a level. And let's throw Miguel Almiron in there as well. Yep. who are competing at a level that they probably deep down never thought they'd get to. And it's still an achievement to be competitive in the group with the, that group of players having to play so many minutes in this in this Champions League campaign. And, and I don't think Eddie Howe, I don't think the players will think like this. I think they'll think, wow, we've really let this one go. Wow, we've, we've kind of let ourselves down. And I hope they don't think like that, but they, they did put themselves in a position with half an hour to go to qualify for the group and they've ended up finish, finishing bottom. But it is just remarkable that this group of players have managed to get so close. And Milan had injuries tonight, but I'm looking at the group as a whole and I don't want to keep bigging up the opposition, but I, I have thought in all of these games, I expected these teams to be good, but they're, they're at a level in possession, all three of these teams, that we are just nowhere near, nowhere near. And the fact that we've been able to overcome that in other aspects of our game, to, to come so close to qualification, I think is, is to be applauded, Zai. I think that list of plays you've just described are all very important to the squad. They've played an important part on this entire journey and they absolutely rightly are part of a team that finished fourth and got us into the Champions League. What nobody saw coming this season was them all having to play so much of a part in this season. They were probably supposed to be mixed in with some better quality players as the season went on and it just hasn't transpired that way because of the injury crisis, because of Tonali and and everything else. So I think they've all done a great job, but... Yes, they're, they're not at a level where they can sustain that. And I think we're starting to see that now. We're starting to see Lascelles has been brilliant for the last few months. He's, he's done very well in Botman's absence, but the last couple of games has exposed him as, as the kind of player he is. His is, is, is footballing ability is not up at the same level as his kind of heart. And that you could say the same about many of those players you described. And at some point, that kind of patch of form from all those players had to come to an end and that was supposed to be eased by improving the squad by bringing players in and the fact that we've had to play so many games back to back with so many players who were just playing way beyond their level like you describe is just it's testament to them that they got this far I think this this was always coming um they're still important but we can't rely on six or seven of them being in the same team at the same time so many games they still need quality players around them to 
for us to continue to push on. And I think it's it's so hard because they're going to now be looked upon almost less favorably because of the last few results when really they've contributed so much to getting us here. We just need the other lads back so desperately. One positive that we can take from tonight is that they are starting to slowly come back. Dan Byrne was, I mean, he's not hes not the highest quality person in the world, but having that kind of optionality, Longstaff, um, besides wearing a Longstaff t-shirt, of <laughs> course, um, Longstaff is back. Like the, the options are there for us to be able to start. No, it didn't happen tonight. Okay, it didn't happen tonight. The, sub, the substitutions, they didn't work. They didn't make the game better. They made the game worse. And Trippier coming off, at, you know, the, the more I think about what you just said, Stephen, the more I think actually there's a, there's a massive point there. The, the the solidifying kind of like grounding force was off the off the pitch and I think that made a huge difference. Um we were gonna No no I was gonna say uh, thirty minutes for players like Longstaff and Dan Byrne whilst I don't think tonight was necessarily the night to get them. Right. And we're gonna regret it. Um <laughs> you know, having them thirty minutes yeah. ahead of Saturday if we want to get ahead to Fulham already. I'm not ready for that but is a good thing. I think, you know, if we'd had Dan Byrne fit, for example, I don't think he's our number one left back now. I think Tino Levermento is, but then you might still use him for League Cup games, give other players, you know, the ability to rotate these players amongst the, yeah. their counterparts has been missing throughout this entire period. And it means we can play a different way. Like, it means we can we can change, like having Alexander Isak up front means we play a different way to having Callum Wilson up front. These are different players that we can kind of, they're small adjustments, but they are adjustments. Mm. And it means that in the face of our opponents bringing on um, substitutions, we can bring on a substitution that might, do something different. Didn't work tonight. We'll be clear on that. But that is, I'm just trying to be positive in the face of a pretty gutting evening that we are starting to get some options back. And Harvey Barnes is supposedly close. I'm trying. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love Alexander Isak, but he's not left-sided midfielder. He's not left-sided nope. attacker. And we had this conversation, I think, at the start of the season that we're sick of seeing Alexander Isak play on the left-hand side of attack. And tonight, for 30 minutes... Alexander Isak was on the left-hand side of attack. And I really like Callum Wilson. I think he's a really good Premier League centre-forward. But I'm yet to see anything that terrifies his Champions League defenders. Yeah. And Miguel Almiron is a really, really good grafter. He buys into the team ethic that Eddie Howe wants. He's, he's a proper team player. But he can't use his right foot. And that's a real problem. Because in the Champions League... He just kicks the ball away from the goal. Or, or he does what he does tonight, where he's got to tap it in his right foot and he mm. tries to move his body so he can tap it in with his yeah. left foot. Just don't do it. Me, just swing your right foot at it. It only just has to hit and, and a, a part a, of a your leg to go yeah. in. Yeah. And, yeah. and these, are the, these are the things that our opponents in this group just don't have. Yeah. They just don't have players that simply do not have a, mm. <laughs> have a right foot. And it's all if buts and maybes. But if, if Almiron scores that much earlier in the, the half, then Newcastle have more time to capitalise on their first half superiority and, and the game could turn out differently and I agree with you Stephen it's um, you know Eddie Howe and Newcastle United were ahead of schedule they got written off relentlessly last season they've already been written off this season about Champions League or top six or stuff like that there's a long way to go I think they've done themselves proud I think we could have qualified from this group and it's disappointing that we haven't and there's always whenever you lose a game of football and you lose a game of football in James Park there's always people angry and unhappy and that's normal that's football you're supposed to feel things you're supposed to have differences of opinion I just I struggle to to kind of and I, I kind of walked out of the, the ground pissed off but I, I struggle to feel anything other than admiration right now for for what they've achieved because all of the things you just listed there Stephen I completely agree with you you even look at a player like um Olivia Giroud tonight who's getting on a bit and I'm, I'm sure loads of Premier League clubs wouldn't be desperate for him, but he, he just had a he just had a no he, he knows how to deal with referees. He wasn't getting anything from the ref from the cells in the first half, and he's in the referee's ear. He's demonstrating to the referee. He's showing the referee how it's a foul, and then as the game goes on, he starts to get those fouls. And Jamal Cell starts to get frustrated. He starts to try and mm. um, get ahead of the ball. He, he starts to try and outposition him, where he's just winning headers in the second half, and just that kind of know-how at this level and the importance of managing the referee, like Milan did in the first half. We just aren't there. And, and at this level of football, every single little advantage counts. And I'd even say, going back to Paris, even though that injury time was a disgrace, the Paris players were incandescent at the referee. All half, it's just like pressure, pressure, pressure. We don't do it. We're not there yet. We're not 
mature enough. What I was going to say was we need nastiness. Like, maybe not, maybe the word isn't that, because all of last season, I seem to remember we praised how horrible we were, <laughs> how we were turning into nasty bastards. And like, we were um, like, oh, it's great to see us being horrible and really physical and different. And we have pulled that back this season. We have, I think we are not as nasty as we were. We weren't just shit house. What? No, no, I, I agree with that. I think the shit housing in game was, was absolutely there. I, I think we also tried to label ourselves as being quite classy and not blaming refs and not getting in the referee's face as much as the likes of Klopp's Liverpool and some of other teams do. I think we've always been quite proud of the fact that we're not such dicks about it. But you're right, Dodds. Um, if you want to win things, some of these teams... You've got to be now, dicks. Yeah. You've got to be a bit more of a dick. Like, it, Sorry to interrupt you. Now I'm getting excited. Um, I just, just very quickly, you players like Miggy, etc., that they are great team players. You were talking about that. They were, they are, they are so integral to this team in the league and things like that. And games like this, you need a nastier player. You need a player who's going to barge. You need a player who's going to, who's going to like take fouls or, or things like that. Lewis Miley, bless him, he is, you know, playing out of a skin. He's seventeen years old. I have I have nothing but admiration for the um, maturity he's shown. But he, he's still he's so young and he's still. This is such a an advanced competition you know you could i could you could physically see him reaching to to to, to elbow or to or to grab a shirt and then like backing off because he's 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 not there yet and it's it's exactly what you're saying some of them are just they're not there yet i think you've, we've kind of touched on it but i think it is worth mentioning sandro tonali played in our first two champions league games he was a big summer outlay we spent 60 million pound on a center midfielder to make us better for the champions league and we drew nil-nil away in Milan, and we'd be PSG 4-1 or 2 with him in the team. Good point. We haven't, we haven't won a game in the Premier League. We haven't, we've got one point from four games since Andrew Tonali's not been in our mm. midfield. We can, we can say whatever we want, but through no fault of our own, through yeah. no fault of Newcastle United, our most important summer signing has been unavailable to us. And that is something that, regardless of what anything else goes on, has to be a reminder to us of how far we've come. Yeah. Because one more point or one more minute in Paris mm. and we could be sat here having a very, very different conversation. And I tell you what, one more minute of Sandro Tonali, we'd be in a far different position because in Paris we've had to rely on Lewis Mighty, like you say, fantastic, fantastic young up and coming footballer. But can you honestly tell me that anybody in this room thought he was going to play 150 minutes of Champions League football in the group stage? Because I didn't. And like, he sat, didn't. Well, no, he didn't. <laughs> and we have, we have missed a player there who, regardless of what anyone thinks, or oh, does he play the same position as Bruno? Doesn't matter. Mm. Eddie Howe swarms a left-sided eight, and that's fine with me if Eddie Howe thinks he's a left-sided eight in the Champions League, and we've not been able to call on him for four games, and that, hopefully, hopefully, we make top five, might have to be top four this year, and then Tenali can prove to us next September how important he would have been this year to us. When, when we're not in Europe and we're just sitting here like, great. Sorry, we'll win everything else. It's true. I suppose we'll just to finish off, I'll go around the table, starting with Sai, then Charlotte and Stephen, then myself. Just uh, a couple of sentences, Sai, on, on, on your thoughts on Newcastle's Champions League campaign. Yeah, I think, as I said at the start, there's a lot of memories we've made on the, on the, on the way, isn't there? Um, the, the group of death presented does six glamour, glamorous games of football. I don't think we gave our best account in all of them. I thought we started really well, as Charlotte said earlier. Um, the, the draw in Milan was great. It was great to watch. It was a great spectacle. And it was a kind of welcome to Champions League football because I thought that game was played at such a fast pace. And I'd kind of forgotten, having watched Champions League football as a neutral for so long, how different it feels to watching your team in a Premier League or a domestic cup to watching Europe. European football is totally different at the highest level. It's fast Every player is really good. Well, at least the, the teams we've played, every player is really good. And it's just, it's such, such good football. And we had to raise our game. And as the group, and we did seem to raise our game, you're kind of right to point out we've only got one point from the last four games. But it felt like the performances got better as we went. And Paris was a robbery, as we've described. And for most of tonight's game, we were good. So there's a lot of great memories. PSG at home is like a, a, the kind of game that'll go down in history. Like the Barcelona game in 98, it's, you know, it's that level of result that level of occasion so we'll always have that and and it sounds, we'll always have Paris. sounds a little bit mac me so i don't want to i don't want to hit our hopes on the one game we won but it, it was a nice night and i think the fact that we got five points and we came so close in so many different ways the robbery in paris the, the 30 minutes away from time tonight um 
it's nice to be able to say that it wasn't just, we weren't just shit, we didn't just get battered all over the place. And you have to then look at the positives. We're having a tough season. We've had a lot of injuries. Maybe a little bit of a break in our fixture list will get us back on track and we can storm through the next half of the season and, and do something domestically. So you've got to look at that as a positive. But yeah, the Champions League campaign, I've really enjoyed it. Um, my bank balance will thank me for not having to go to any more European <laughs> trips this season, um, as will <laughs> the loved ones in my life as well. So there's another positive. Yeah, um, it's been a wild ride. It's been amazing. I've gone to every one of the games that we've played in this group stage. And um, I'm just so grateful for that opportunity from our club. I'm so grateful to have experienced it as a fan. Like this is That's what dreams are made of, isn't it? That's what you want your team to be. That's the level you want your team to be competing at. This is, this is the ambition. This is the, this is the dream. And I am absolutely gutted that we are not, we're not even going to have Europa League football um, going forward in this season because I think we deserve it. I think we deserve at least that based on the performances. Yeah, you're right. Okay, like one point out of the last four games. But the performances, the growth, the, the, the maturing within, like it's been a really kind of lovely thing to watch. And also... Like for the fans as well, we were we were. This is new for us, for most of us, and and for the ones who were there twenty years ago, it's twenty years ago. It's you're a different person now. You're an older. You're a twenty years older person. It's different, and I, I, you know, I think this has been a good. I think this has been good because we now know what to expect. We know as fan base, as a club, what to expect from European football. And we will continue to strengthen and we will continue to, um, what's the word I want? Reinforce like our, our team. We were ahead of schedule. It's been, I'm gutted because I wanted us to continue. Why are you laughing at me? Yes, you both for a couple of words. Uh, <laughs> we're getting, there's very, it's great content. But, you uh, actually said a couple of sentences yeah, couple and of sentences. I have been using commas, not full <laughs> stops. Um, I'm gutted. I'm proud. Stephen. Should we talk about the, the square in Dortmund for a bit, by the way? That, <laughs> we can do 10 more minutes it? if you want, Dodsy. 97-98, um, I was a teenager, I was at school. 2002-2003, I was in my freshers' year at university. A fantastic experience. Full biography. Uh, You're good. But, <laughs> but um, this experience has been a little bit different. 97-98, we never deserved to be there. We finished second and we're, I mean, they allowed, they changed the rules that season and we've, fluked it in to Mourinho Spire, managed to shin one in against Alra. <laughs> um, and we'll be Barca. And like you say, say that's still in the, like the Annals fan base. Um, Andy Griffin is a hero for one goal, which is really a Buffon own goal. But um, sorry, Andy. Um, but uh, Andy, Andy Griffin, sorry, yeah. And, yeah sorry, a couple of words. Andy Griffin. Um, that is a couple of words, Andy goal. Griffin. <laughs> and we had Feyenoord. And do you know what? When we got beaten in the second group stage there, I was like, that's, that's heart-wrenching. Like, well, like that, that really was gotten... That felt like the end of an adventure when we didn't qualify the following season. This doesn't feel like that now. Mm. We will be back. We, we will go and beat other top European sides. And other top European sides aren't going to want to come play in Cass United. And the, the biggest thing that I can say from this Champions League adventure is it's nice to have, okay, it's one victory... But I tell you what, who would have rather beaten Paris, Dortmund, Milan? Well, I'd rather be killing Mbappe and Paris Saint-Germain because they were the big team, in inverted commas, that we were drawn against and we battered them. We didn't just beat them, we battered them. And we battered them home and away. All right, yeah, they probably did deserve to get a draw, regardless of the late penalty. But we, we, we should have come out of six points from the two games against Paris. And even if we'd gone out, that would have been a bigger gutter. But I'm just delighted that we're back. Like, we're relevant again. We're, we're not Sunderland. Right. Well said by all three of you. Uh, there are a couple of moments, a couple of moments for me, walk, walking into the away end in Milan, what, an hour before kickoff, in seeing a full stadium and the, the ultras at their end. And that was just a, that was a take-your-breath-away moment. And I can't say too much more about that PSG night, but... Just, just seeing the quality of our opposition, the technical brilliance of so many of their players, and our lads being able to go toe to toe with them in every single fixture, and uh, it hasn't, it hasn't gone our way this time. But 
you know, next time we'll play Champions League football, we'll have more footballers of that ability, we'll have more know-how, we've got the experience. We as fans understand what this is all about now, how to create a brilliant atmosphere. A little bit of work to do in the away Drums. games atmosphere, but um, yeah, just a, just a real privilege. And I know people probably listening to this are still very raw, frustrated, but I feel a sense of privilege from, from following this club as we all have um, and across most of our lives the last two years the last two years what a journey it's been and like you say Stephen it's not the end of the journey I'm, I'm absolutely convinced Newcastle are still going to do great things this season and yeah Europe Europe no longer has Newcastle United in it and I reckon not just Newcastle fans but football fans across Europe who've probably followed our group closer than many others because it's been more interesting it was unlike a lot of groups still alive match day six Champions League is probably a little bit poorer for Newcastle United not being in it but I'm biased and I see things through Newcastle United lens it's been a pleasure to speak to you all. Thanks to everybody who watches and listens. We appreciate it massively. We're going to be back because there's so many games of football at the minute straight after Fulham on Saturday night. So tune in for that one. We're on Patreon. Uh, please come and join us between three and eight pounds a month. Already got our shows lined up for the next 48 hours before Fulham. We'll speak to you again very soon. Bye-bye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.